Welcome to episode 84 of No Shot Clock, the Chicago High School Basketball Podcast. I am Michael O'Brien from the Chicago Sun-Times. As always, here with Joe Hendrickson from the City Suburban Hoops Report. Thanks everybody for listening. Some quick housekeeping. We are available on iTunes and Stitcher and anywhere else. If you ask me to be, I'll get us on there. Please rate and review us if you get some time. I've noticed we've gotten some new ones lately and that basically, you know, that is not just to stroke the ego of Joe and I. It helps um, the podcast <laughs> pop up. Like when people are searching for things on iTunes and other things, you know, you need some reviews. Otherwise you kind of disappear and it's kind of hard enough for a high school basketball podcast uh, to get any traction. It it's, does sound weird when you say, please, please review, yeah. please, please rate us. <laughs> please so much complain. Um, so this episode we are going to um, go through our two takes and questions as always. And then we're going to do the special feature. Uh, and this episode is the conference call. We're going to rank the top five conferences talk about why they are the top five conferences and then we'll each choose one conference race we think will be the most intriguing interesting kind of thing this season that is the plan uh how you doing joe good end of december i mean it's interesting you get into the conference you know you kind of get in the thick of things here real quick uh following thanksgiving uh, tournaments and things like the chicago league classic and uh, hit some conference games last week and we kind of roll right into the Holiday tournaments will be here in what two, three weeks? Yeah, the pairing. I got these... starting to come out. Yeah, in Central, Central, Jacobs, and so yeah, um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, a lot of events. We'll, which we'll talk about here at the end of the, uh, this podcast. But uh, a lot of those this weekend coming up, and then we'll get into the holiday tournament time in no time. Yeah, this little nine day period here with the, uh, the Elite Classic and the Team Rose Classic and all the games in between. It's there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, a lot of good stuff. All right, let's start out with these questions. Um, the first one is from Anthony Diaz. He says, it's never too early to think about matchups for super sectionals in state, but who's the most underrated team, in your opinion, in 4A as of right now? The, well, I have to admit, I haven't looked at your rankings this week. So I am assuming Glenbrook South is <laughs> Is in your rankings in at twenty one, yes. Yeah, so I mean that would have kind of been they before that upset, they were a, a little bit of both. You and I have, have been had our eye on Glenbrook South last year, while no one else really did because they were, you know, they were um, just a team that you kind of thought, okay, uh, they got a chance, and then coming in this year, everybody back, they were clearly kind of a sleeper going into the year. You know, I, I know now they're crept into your rankings, so it kind of, I don't know, it's not really a uh, sleeper pick now with them being ranked, but they, they would be my team. Um, but they woke up everybody, everybody with that win over Evanston. Yeah, I think, you know, I've not ranked New Trier yet this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I had them in my pre my preseason top 25 that I do with the City Suburban Hoops Report, and, and you know, that towards the bottom half of, or the bottom end of the, the top 25, but yeah, I mean, they we're sticking here with the central suburban South here with both Glenbrook South and Nutri. I don't know how they are. We're both talking about teams that maybe aren't quite true sleepers. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, Geneva's was a good pick. Yeah. Uh, they just got in They're They're a good pick. You know, I'm going to go with, I'm marrying Catholic. They're ranked number 13. Now. Yeah. People know about them. 
But, you know, the one loss is with Aaron U- without Aaron Euless. And with him, I think they clearly win that game. And they might be knocking on the door of the top five right now. And I was pretty impressed with what I saw from them. So even though they're number 13, I think Marion Catholic is really currently underrated because they picked up that loss without Euless. Yeah, I think some teams on the outside of your preseason top 25 that we had talked about are really kind of living up to, okay, these aren't ranked teams, but they are bound to be over time. Like a Downers Grove North at 5-0, and a Riverside Brookfield, uh, just been a killer here in the first two weeks yeah. of the season. Uh, you know, and the Glenbrook South, I mean, those are three unbeaten teams right there that we're talking. So, you know, there there is a host of them that were on, just on the outside looking in of that top 25 that have done everything they've been asked to do here to either move into your top 25 or be on the cusp of it. And uh, a lot to learn between now and, you know, the beginning of January when they get into their respective holiday tournaments. All right. Next up from Tim Rushi. This is Michael Big Weekend at Team Rose Shootout. What are your thoughts on the race for Mr. Basketball in regards to the matchups? For example, if Brother Rice beats Uplift, does that put Marquise Kennedy in a better spot than Marquise Jacobs? Since EJ Liddell and Belleville West aren't playing in it, does that matter at all? Well, the first second part, yes. No, it doesn't matter that yeah. EJ Liddell. I mean, I mean yeah. It, it would help if EJ Liddell played a game in the Chicago area just for not that he needs name recognition and not that, I mean, let, let's just say he didn't win it last year. Um, you know, but with him having won it and being consensus, number one player in the state, and he's killing it already this year with monster numbers. It, it's going to take a, a lot for him not to repeat uh, as, as a state player of the year. But answer the first part. Yes. I mean, if Marquise Kennedy goes out and, does what he's capable of doing and brother rice beats uplift and he has a monster performance with people like yourself and, and myself and the, and you know, tweeting and writing and talking. Yeah. I mean, he's going to elevate his, his status. That that's just goes to the territory when you're playing high profile events and you, you play it as a high, you know, a high profile player. And so, yeah, that, that very well could happen, but it's just going to take a lot. I mean, I don't know if you think it's a, foregone conclusion i do uh as long as he plays out the season how we think he's going to he's going to be a repeat yeah i do and i honestly i don't care um it's mr basketball doesn't mean a lot to me um i however have to be very involved with the player of the year for our area and she doesn't include ej liddell exactly so, so it's very interesting and it's a huge weekend for that um without a doubt yeah i mean every every high profile game high profile event um, you know, and, and our, you know, we have a small voting system for player of the year with the Sun Times, and it's a prestigious award that's that's pretty coveted, and and so yeah, I mean that that shouldn't be any player's mindset, but it, again, it goes with um, what what these big events and big games are all about, and players of the year put together player of the year type performances that you remember when we sit and discuss it and talk about it and vote on it in March. Yeah. I will not out the player, but one of the top, Oh, shall we say 10 contenders contacted me before the season 
and he asked what our criteria was for selection selecting player of the year which that's long man i thought that was kind of cool <laughs> oh come on well, you should be concerned with that yeah but i mean you want to know you want to know i mean is it is it just winning is it individual so i told him i think it's fair to ask he didn't i think it's lame <laughs> oh wow yeah just I, go I out and it. play he wanted to know. It's the old, the old. <laughs> your play does the talk for you. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know, is it really a mystery what what it takes to be player of the year? I think maybe to a seventeen year old kid, yeah. You know, it, it, it's yeah, just, they probably they probably think if they average the most points and exactly, yeah. But I just don't know if that's really going into the season. If that should really be a you no, know, I wonder what that's going to take for me to. To be player of the year. Hey, if you want something, if there's one thing I've learned, especially in this business, if you want something, you need to ask for it, and you need to ask how to get it. So, <laughs> I think that's cool of a, of a kid to, to figure out what to. And, and you know, he the team he was on. You know, I, I stress, you know, he needs to win. You know, even big numbers aren't going to do it. You know, because that's been a big factor for us from the start. I mean, it's very difficult. Like Alonzo Verge wasn't on a great team, and it was difficult. You know, even though Thornton was very good. Usually they're on an elite team, so that, that that's something I think that was probably useful for him to know. Um, next up, this is from K. I want to oh. The most elite player. I'd like to go through the most the best elite player who played on the worst team, other than Anthony Davis. You know what I mean? It's very hard who to do. He, but he was not sometimes player of the year. No, I don't mean sometimes yeah. player. I just oh, mean overall. You know, yeah, yeah, just your. Because it's very hard to do when you think about it to be an elite high school basketball player and play on a really crappy team. Yes, it is. Well, because generally you're going to elevate them to at least average. Right. Right. That's what I mean, I mean, yeah. one, one <laughs> dynamic high school superstar yeah. goes a long way. That's the truth. Yeah, I don't know. Um, next up is from KM, who uh, calls himself the dead horse Peter because of his question. He says he's really enjoying the podcast and just gave us a five-star rating a couple weeks ago, which is thank you very much. Uh, question, not to beat a dead horse, but I really don't understand why Illinois has a success factor that only applies to private schools. By the way, I'm a public school product myself, but especially in basketball, doesn't this hurt the vast majority of public schools just as much or even more than private schools? Isn't the biggest problem with four classes of basketball just that you have a lot of the best programs in the state not in the top class? I didn't get that part. What's the what's the second at the last oh, part? Um, that like Morgan Park is in three A. Oh, okay. That's messing everything. I didn't get the first part. I'm sorry. <laughs> when he says, "Doesn't it hurt the vast majority of public schools?" Yeah, I don't, yeah. That, that's what I didn't understand. Um. Anyway, I did. Uh, IHSA executive director Craig Anderson says that the success factor is defined is um its most basic function is to move sport teams that were having success up into a classification so that they were maybe challenged. Which is an interesting rationale since those kids who um, achieved that success are, in most cases, now gone. So it's like academics in schools where the high achievers go to honors classes and AP classes, but we just, right? I mean, that's... In, I guess, yeah. You want to move up and play the best? You, I mean, I mean, I... I have. I, I, I have. Have you talked with Nick Irvin much about 
Um, <laughs> does it bother? I challenged him publicly in the press conference after they won 3A when he spouted about how they were the best team in the state. I asked him, well, then, you know, are you going to move up to 4A next year so you can prove that? And he do- dodged the question. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always wondered that. I mean, Morgan Parks had this great run, and, and deservedly so. They're playing in the class. They're, they're in. I mean, that's fine. Um, but you do always kind of wonder, you know, I mean, just, just this the evidence of four classes has kind of ruined that whole. It's probably my biggest gripe with it. But, uh, yeah, you, you just – 3A is just – we talked about it a million times. It's just, it's just so not – yeah, you might have a year where there's three, four, five really good 3A teams, but you never have a year where there's three, four, five really good teams and then a host of like a dozen others, 15 others that could beat those top four teams. It's just a, the depth is just so bad in 3A. You you have so many gimmies on the way to Peoria where you don't even have to, do you know what I mean? You just kind of yeah. show up and win two or three games in the tournament. Um and then, uh, that's not that you. There's not less value, I, I guess. Uh, I'm not saying that, but but as a competitor, you you do wonder. Huh, I wonder, you know, what what we do in 4A. Especially because we talked about it last year after the title game. Morgan Park was playing so well by the end of the year. Burrell had you know just become a complete dependable monster. You know, with Io and Adam Miller and Watson had stepped up and. You know, they would have had an excellent chance to beat Younger Belleville West, you know. Oh, I, I, I mean, I think every every Morgan Park state championship team would have, and I think you would probably agree, I mean, on a given day, and I'd have to go back every single year of, you know, the matchups, but more or less they could beat any 4A team. Um, and, and but I'm just saying you would like to see that opportunity. Uh, and that's not going to happen. But do you know what I mean? I, there, there is no question Morgan Park over the years has been more than good enough to win a 4A state title. doesn't mean they would have won it every year, but I like to think they probably would have. Um, how many titles has Nick won? Four? Boy, good question. I'm bad with um Well, the last two, and yeah, I think four is right. At least three, probably four. 18, 17, they won. Uh, 2014 they won and 2013 they won so I would think of those four titles they would have probably won at least one or two 4A titles probably oh yeah um, you know and, and the success yeah, if the success factor was given to public schools they'd have been up so we'd have so, seen so, so, so real quick I know we're, just because I pulled it up Morgan Park, Belleville West who's favored last year uh, Belleville West is favored, but I think that kind of just depends on how Morgan Park shoots. Morgan Park, Whitney Young, the year before. Morgan Park, maybe. And then that'd be Morgan Park, Whitney Young with, that'd be Okafor in 2014. Yeah, that would have been Young. Young, and then Morgan Park, Simeon in 2013 with Jabari and Kendrick. That would have been <laughs> Simeon. So yeah, I mean, it's, it'd be tough. <laughs> But, anyway. but you know, yeah. Then you get all the Battle of Vincennes stuff, where you know that those things get so hot, and who knows how those games go. Um, right. And, and again, we, 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 we on the right day. I mean, Morgan Park is just as. I mean, they're just one of the elite programs. So they're you know the right day, the right game. They, they could they could they could knock one of those games, win one of those games. 
not something right. we can fix or change. Success, no. success factor is what it is. And because of it, I was sitting there at Ridgewood yesterday, extremely confused about what class St. Viator was in. <laughs> but I, 3A, think, right? Yeah. I think it's 4A this year. No. No? No, no because I was all excited that there were 3A. Not personally, I'm not a fighter grad. I just, <laughs> I, I like that there, it was a 3A school that that was intriguing enough. Oh. And Okay, well, that's good. Yeah, it'll be better if they're down there because that's kind of, the the top tier of 3A is looking really good um, from what I've seen this season. Yeah, so I just pulled it up. They're 3A, yeah. Okay, good. Um, all right, next question uh, from Julian Kenner, last one. Uh, can you break down the difference between a good high school player and a good prospect? Some people still don't get the difference. Joe? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been talked a lot about. It, it is so different. I mean, and, and it goes to kind of what, when Mike puts together all, like all state teams, all state teams have nothing to do with top prospects. And when, conversely, when I put out my rankings of top prospects, when I put that out, my top 10 or top 15, it has nothing to do with the best high school basketball players. And there is a difference. A high school basketball player is that high-level, productive, dominating high school basketball player during the high school basketball season. It does not always mean that they are dynamite college basketball prospects. There is just this whole evaluation tool that you use to gauge when you talk prospects of their the, the, the ceiling that they have and how they project to the next level and does – and what they do at the high school level, what in the various parts of the game does it just translates to the college level? Because it, you know, you can be a dominating. I'll just throw out a random six foot five inside post player at the high school level who simply does not have the skills, and that's not going to translate to the next level as a four man or a five man at the, at the college level. Um, you know, I. Right now, if you look and the focus is, is so heavy on athleticism, length, and size, it, it's just unbelievable that, as far as prospects are concerned. And I'm not saying they don't care if the kid can play, but I'm just saying that college coaches want those, want those physical attributes, and it plays a huge, huge part. And you can really see it at a young age. When you're watching a freshman who's dynamite, and maybe they're physically developed and you just don't see – there's a lot of guy. oh, he's a great-looking player as a freshman for a high school kid. But, boy, his ceiling is low. It's going to stagnate over the course of his high school career. And by the time he's a senior, there's going to be guys that just that catch up to him or, or clearly surpass him. Uh, but it doesn't take away from what a great high school basketball player he was. So there's just a lot that goes into it as far as the evaluation process as a prospect versus what you see that's that's ready there for you as a high school player. Yep, no doubt about it. I mean, if you just look at some of the kids who signed with D1 schools on Wednesday, or sorry, a couple Wednesdays ago, and it's a good portion of them are not on the top 50 players list. Yeah, I, you know, it, it, there's a, just a significant difference. I mean, there's yeah. a difference. And uh, you, did you say that was the last question? Yep, last one. No, you got to have one more because I did research on it. Oh, okay. Hold on. Uh, there was, wasn't there a question on Ottawa? 
Oh from, yeah, that from, was just was that just I don't, the beginning? Sorry. If, it, if it was, I don't want to like leave the poor Ottawa fan or whoever. I think I, I might have just um, that was just the beginning, and I went over it. Hold on. Oh, okay. Um, I just want talk to talk about sure. Ottawa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoever would want to know about Ottawa. Ottawa's good. They're undefeated. They're uh there's another school that moved to 3A. So they could significantly or be a significant factor in class 3A. Great backcourt of Wyatt Hill and Miles Tucker. Uh so, you know, they're a team that's out of the Chicago area obviously, but a team that definitely could make some noise in class 3A. Yeah, where, I don't know where that went. I feel like I'm. I was at the beginning of one of the questions I actually went through. I hope. That's anyway, fine. Sorry. I spent five minutes researching Ottawa. <laughs> I thought he meant the gym too, <laughs> not the uh, team. But who knows? Okay. Um, two takes. Uh, I. You know what? Let's do this a little differently, if you don't mind, Joe. I didn't run this by you, but instead of I was gonna pick two teams and do a take on each, but I saw so much over the last week. That I'm just, I have like a line for each of the teams I saw that are worth talking about. So I just want to hit that. So if you want to give your two takes, I don't. There's no two take rules. Okay. Uh, you, <laughs> uh, my first take is on the mid suburban league. You know, we, we've seen Frem success in the, in the mid suburban league over the last. You know, that unbelievable run, undefeated run, made to the semis and lost to Young. Was that three years ago or two? Three years ago. Two, I think. Uh, two years ago, you know, I, and but what what the the league hasn't had are big name stars, and here I find myself going to a Rolling Meadows Hersey game last week to see arguably the the, the best prospect in Illinois is in the mid suburban league, and that's Max Christie at Rolling Meadows, and they've got Chris Hodges at Schaumburg, another sophomore. Christie's a sophomore, the number one ranked sophomore in the state. Hodges is a top five sophomore, six foot eight, big man at Schaumburg. Uh, now we've got a, a freshman named Cam Kraft, who is at uh, Buffalo Grove, and he's a no namer in the high school basketball world for the most part, but he's coming. And he's averaging 24, 25 a game as a freshman through five games this season. So you got three pretty big name young stars in that league that are going to be high profile. And I, I just, it's a different flavor and a different feel in the mid-suburban league i had a good good night the other night i mean hersey brilliant meadows had a great crowd students were into it uh it was a key game in that league and and rolling meadows behind max christie's 31 he had 31 points and sat out most of the second quarter he he's just so much better than every single player on the floor it's it, it, it's at a different level in comparison to let's say if he was in because mid-suburban league is it, overall is not what we're talking about the best conferences um, coming up here later in the podcast, and the Mid Suburban League wouldn't sniff those top five conferences. But with that being said, it's going to be fun to see, you know, these individual players kind of shine in that league and and kind of generate some interest and intrigue in the Northwest suburbs going forward. Yeah, it is awesome. I'm going to be there Friday. I'm going to go check out the. Cam Kraft versus uh, Max Christie game, Buffalo Grove, Early Meadows, and I probably don't remember a year where I went to an MSL game in December, willingly, <laughs> at least. So that's great. It's good for the league. It's good for basketball. I and think. I think I'm going to friend Buffalo Grove <laughs> tomorrow night. So you, between the th- two of us, we'll have three MSL games in the first two and a half weeks of the season. How yep. about that? How, uh, 
unbelievable and great. It's good. It, you know, I'm tired of going to the same places. It's nice to uh, see some new faces. I guess this shouldn't be too long, so I'll just go now. But this is just going to be a quick line because I saw all these teams for the first time. Uh, Curie saw them against Orr. They are ready to win now. I think they're a little bit ahead of some of the other teams, and they have a high ceiling. They're an interesting team. They kind of are ranked, I think, just right. Or work in progress. They got two transfers that are waiting to play. Demarius Splunge is waiting. Tu- Tuate, I believe is how it's pronounced now, I've learned. Um, Williams, he is fabulous to watch. It's, the guard thing is has its pluses and minuses, but he's got star qualities. He's a lot of fun. Or could do a lot this season, but right now it might take a little while. Uh, DePaul Prep. They could be the 3A state champs. Uh, Pavle Pantovic's very much improved. Perry Cowan is just as good as we expected him to be as a senior. This is a team, if you've been listening to the last couple weeks, I wasn't so sure. I was worried about that North Chicago loss they had in the sectionals. Uh, I didn't like how they played in some of the games against Loyola last year. That's all out the window. I'm on the I'm on the bus <laughs> with the Paul Prep. Super impressed with that team. Uh, Providence St. Mel. I'm still unsure. DePaul just took it to them. I, I mean, I know they had the nice win against Waukegan, I, and they're going to be a factor in 1A. I'm just not sold that they're going to be a, a Super 25 team this year. Evanston, they're exactly what I thought they would be. Um, not not necessarily better, but not worse. They're what I thought they were going to be. They're, they're an excellent team. They deserve their top 5, top 10 ranking. It's going to be interesting to see how the young kids improve throughout the year. Uplift. They were ranked too high. I, I think they will figure it out, though. There was a, a lot to like from that loss to Evanston. And Marquise Jacobs is, it sounds silly because he's been such a star player for so long, but he's going to learn the right moments to take over games. Because right now, I think it's a little bit off about when he's doing that. And I think that's going to make a big difference in them winning some games. Bogan, uh, they were incredible. Absolutely unbelievable. They started a kid. No one uh, was even sure who he was. His name's Kennedy Brown. He's a 6'9 junior. He had seven points and nine boards. Passes all the prospect uh, things you'd want. Uh, Turns out he's an Evergreen Park transfer. He played uh, there last year. This team just absolutely loaded. I was very impressed with Darian Jones, who I liked a lot as a freshman. But he's just got this innate basketball kind of mind. You can see it. You can see it in his movements. He's a kid still not a lot of people are talking about, but he played really well. Um, Fouled out of the game, though. (laughs) Not a lot of minutes. So that's a worry. But yeah, Bogan, absolutely amazing. I thought about maybe putting them number one. Uh, Young. Young actually was better than I expected. They didn't. They they were ready to roll right away against a great, you know, not okay, maybe not great, but a very good modern day team. Young completely deserved the number one ranking. I no longer thought about uh, replacing them with Bogan after I saw them, and they were better than I expected. Simeon, so they lost to St. Vincent, St. Mary. They were all over the place. I. Um, Kind of don't even know what I saw. It was the eighth game of the day. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I was exhausted, and it was a messy, ugly game. Robert Smith pointed out in the press conference after the game that uh, they had no assists. The whole team did not have an assist. I mean, maybe it was bad stat keeping, but I went back and looked, and everybody else had assists the whole day, every team. And it was it was that kind of mess. There were, I think he paid, Rob played 10 guys in the first quarter maybe 12 or 14 overall. Simeon has a lot to figure out. There's a lot of ability there. I am a little worried about the bigs, though. Uh, Morgan Park. Pieces are there. 
Uh, they played really hard. They just ran into an absolute monster of a team. Fashan was great. Cameron Fletcher is a player like we haven't had around here in a long time now. Um, Adam Miller does need to take a step up in a big game like that, though. Uh, Joliet West at Ridgewood. Might be a long year for my Tigers. I'm a little worried about them. Um, they just don't have that guy right now, you know, who with any experience that knows how to do anything, <laughs> like, like anything. So there, I think there's a lot of ability there and some talent, but I, I'm concerned. That's a disheartening scouting, or scouting <laughs> yeah. report there. They don't have anybody can do anything. <laughs> yeah. It was upsetting. And there are your two and four Julia West Tigers. Yeah. A little worried they could be headed towards 20 losses <laughs> this year. Prove me wrong, guys. Uh, St. Patrick, solid team. Took down my uh, Julia West Tigers. I liked what I saw from them. I'm not sure they've got a really high ceiling, but they're a good, respectable, hard-playing bunch with some ability. Uh, Bennett. You know, I'd heard so much, great, so many great things about Bennett. You know, it's not that they didn't live up to him. They were very good, and they took down an excellent DeKalb team in a really great game, and the bigs were everything as advertised. Um, you know, all three of those guys, you know, over 6'4", whatever. I'm a little worried about their guards going forward you know they they're not a main focus of the team right now but i'm a little i'm questioning i don't have bennett ranked as high as everybody else if you've noticed and and then they're gonna they stayed where they were after i saw them the first time simply because of the guard thing i mean colin crothers though was awesome you know to chua the the new player he could not hit a free throw to save his life and that i'm not sure if that i didn't talk to gene heidekamp after the game but i'm not sure if that's a regular thing if it isn't then it was just exposed because lb and kalana seemed to clearly want to put him at the line and it worked he missed i think 10 free throws, an insane amount of free throws. Uh, St. Viator, Jeremiah Hernandez. Wow. Holy moly. He was trying to do next level stuff that I wasn't even sure he could do. Like I'm talking just getting the ball and just shoving it down the lane and dunking it all over everybody. He was something else. Uh, Trey Calvin, dependable and awesome as always had an amazing amount of rebounds, which is what they need. This is a a team that has holes though. They, They are not deep at all. Um, and there are a lot of issues there, but the, but the good players are so good. So they're an interesting team. Uh, De La Salle, very watchable. Um, go see De La Salle if you can. They're fun. Um, they got a lot of kids who do a lot of stuff. Josh Holmes, the Jones, Jones, Jones transfer, is an excellent shooter, good player. A best De La Salle team I've seen in a couple of years, a team I, I want to see again. I think they'll knock off some teams this year in conference and get on the radar. So that's my quick run through. Ooh, all right. No, I just a few notes from what you you know expand on. You know, the Bogan thing is just a weird. Every year, it's so odd to find out who's actually on the roster. You mentioned Antoine Bloxton. Um, I think you told me it wasn't on the roster. Yeah, not on the uh, roster. He got in some trouble or is ineligible. Goody said both things, but he'll be back. He'll be he'll be there eventually. An outlaw left uh, yeah. Bogan to go to Orr. Uh, so, and those are two talented pieces, arguably two of their top five, six talents left, and you're still talking Bogan in superlatives. You know what I mean? I mean, that's yeah. uh, the amount of players they have there is is alarming. The amount of you know the talent. You're right on about Bennett's guard play. Will Angles is a talented player who's maybe being force fed to play some more point guard uh, over the course of the year. You know, so that you know. I saw Kenichua. He did make free throws against St. Charles East, so I don't think it'll be a 
common occurrence. He had 28 in that game last week. I see he was dynamic. He had 28 points, 11 rebounds, was 10 of 11 from the field, uh, two of three from the three point line, and had four oh, wow. assists. So really, he had two threes, huh? Yeah. So you know, I, he he's a he's a monster. I mean, he's a physical specimen. And um, you, you mentioned Saint Viator. I I just you're going to be hard-pressed to find a team that has a better one-two punch that's in sync and plays off plays off each other better than Trey Calvin and, and, and Jerry Hernandez. And Hernandez and, and, and Calvin are both recruiting steals, I'm telling you. And in, the, in the Horizon League, and the MAC, Hernandez going to, to Kent State and in the Mid-American Conference and Trey Calvin going to Wright State, a perfect fit for him in the Horizon League. So... You know, and then the Evanston thing—their loss surprised me. That as much as you and I both like Glenbrook South, the only reason I was really shocked at the score and this result was having watched Evanston play St. Viator after the first ugly five, six minutes of the game. Evanston was terrific and looked great, and and kind of took it to St. Viator. So that. And that that's why it surprised me because they looked so good early on. And then my last thing is always again my, my the Joe Hendrickson warning, and it goes into the Chicago League Classic with some of the public league teams playing their first game. It's just so early, you know. I mean, we we, we get high and low quickly in, in late November, early December, and then we're talking completely. I I would love to hear our podcasts even from. A November December podcast where you and I are talking about a team, and then we're talking about that same team in January and February, and in glowing terms. So it, it is a process, and we'll kind of see how this plays out. I, I I get the feeling that from that my feeling on teams is kind of locked in and cemented for the most part following the Christmas tournaments, and you just get such a good feel for them. Not that it, things can't change, and you know, there's highs and lows and peaks and valleys of a season for sure, but you, you do get a great read and a great feel for a team's fortunes uh, going into January after seeing what they do with the holiday tournament time. But uh, my, my 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 second take is that it's just more of an observation than as I guess our takes are. But I mean, <laughs> this shootout thing, the, 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 the schedule. It's more about the scheduling. The, the, people don't want to pay attention to this much, but there's it's a 31 game schedule now. That's just the IHSA has kind of played with this thing for years, and you could play so many amount of games and then so many amount of tournaments. And if you play this amount of tournaments, you can only play this amount of games. If you play this amount of games, you can only play this amount of tournaments. So that's just they just threw it all away, which is, it's, I like it. It's great. It's a good idea, and just set the the number at 31, and it, it takes me back to way back when I was in high school at that time and, and even in the 90s where they did have a set number and it was at 25, actually. So you couldn't play more than 25 games. And so you, my, my thing with the scheduling and, and the, it's created so many opportunities for teams that have to fill schedules. And I've been finding, talking to some coaches who historically here have always scheduled tough schedules put together very demanding schedules and then all of a sudden they had more openings on their schedule this year and what did they do they added a few more tough games so they're looking at playing these schedules that are kind of 
you know, they're, they're, they're starting to complain about it is what I'm saying. Why did I do this? Or I got this many. I got. So the, the records, when you play that many games, I think our records will show that at the end of the year. Because uh, you go back in history and you look at some of these overall records. Now, this is after a state championship has been played. You know, the 80, uh, 84 cement team, 30 and 1. Uh, King 32 and one in 86, 87 East St. Louis Lincoln 28 and one. Uh, the 96 or the 90 King team went undefeated 32 and 0. The 92 Proviso East team 32 and 0. So these are all teams that are playing. It's going to be kind of weird if we ever get that team, Mike, that's plays 31 games and it's the dominant team that goes 31 and 0 and they run the table and they're sitting at maybe what 38 and 0 uh, at the end of the year with this with the new scheduling. Uh, but the other thing I was bringing into is now with this, there are, there's always been shootouts. There is literally a shootout. When I was looking at the schedule, there's a shootout, quote unquote, a shootout literally every weekend of the entire season. There is a shootout. I couldn't find a weekend. I think there's one before. No, cause there's one. I think Hillcrest has one, I think, but anyway, so one kind of, that just morphs into the other. And I think now we kind of lose some luster with these high-profile events. It's one after another. Well, we're in that shootout. Now we still have, I don't know, Chicago League Classic, Team Rose, When Sides Collide, War on the Shore. Those are kind of the established four that have been putting it together here now for years. And you're, you're pretty much a staple of getting some high-level games. But there are a whole lot of shootouts that are that throughout the whole year. And it you know, I, so I'm just kind of saying the schedule has just completely changed as opposed to 10, 15, especially 20, 25 years ago. Well, the biggest thing to me, the biggest change is the teams are planning what games they're going to schedule for when they lose in holiday tournaments. Well, but, but most holiday tournaments now, other than Pontiac and maybe, I mean, Pontiac's the only tournament in the state of Illinois, which is the only gripe among coaches, even though they love going there. Is if you lose two, you're done. You don't play again. So there's eight teams that play two games. Most holiday tournaments now, they're playing those, which I don't like them, but they're playing like the 16th, 15th, and 16th place game. So they know for the most part you're playing minimum three games for sure, no matter what. Um, usually you're playing four. So you factor that in. Thanksgiving tournaments are all – I mean, they're all set. You know, they're not bracketed. So, for the most part, you know. Doesn't York? Pl- aren't you done after if you lose two? No, York. No, you play. You play. That's why that's one of the tournaments that they play all the they way out. Backwards. You, you go zero and whatever. You can go zero and four there. Because it was some York teams that were talking about this. Well, unless they change it, I was, I, 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 they might have. Because I'm looking at the bracket now, and they don't have anything after two games. I would find that hard to believe that they. have two gyms and for years of playing that many games and all of a sudden you, you change it. But I don't know. I wonder if that would be something they change because of this. The teams would rather schedule their own thing than get shoved into a. Yeah. But then you're really trying to forecast and plan. Like you just said though. I mean, I don't think, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm clicking. You can't, you can't schedule over. I mean, you can't, you gotta keep four games open at 27 games. If you think you're going to play four at holiday. So, Good luck with, uh, to Jack Gleason <laughs> that week if that's what happens <laughs> because we won't yeah. know what's going on. 
but it, it, it's just different. I mean, you, you look at those and those teams. I don't want to take anything. The one thing I will take away from those great, great teams is they did not play the schedules that teams play now. I'm like, just telling yeah, they, you. They weren't go, allowed to even travel as far. So that if, if first, you go and yeah. look, they have a lot of lemons on their schedule, man, and, and just beat up like 15 teams in their schedule that, that are just have no business playing. So the schedules now, it, it, it's going to be really hard to go 30 and be 30. Eight and zero. I mean, who will be the first team to go thirty-eight and zero? I mean, I it'll be a long time before I think we see an unbeaten state champion. Joe, are you telling me that you aren't super impressed by the schedule my thirty and zero nineteen ninety four Steelman played when they added <laughs> champagne? We we we. I'd be for another podcast. We just break down that that historical. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Via Kalana was coaching stag. That wasn't as easy as it looked. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I went to all those games, and there were some massive, massive, horrible blowouts. Um, anyway, oh, the other interesting thing that the schedule has allowed is it's helping some teams escape punishment. Um, if you'll, uh, you know, the whole Morgan Park debacle over the week, <laughs> they shoved that good game in, created out of thin air, so that they wouldn't be the players wouldn't be suspended for the Chicago League Classic. So. Well, it's a good thing they didn't have all 31 games scheduled then. See? Yeah. Or, or we hope that they didn't overschedule. <laughs> <laughs> a little flexibility. <laughs> Hopefully they're not at 32. But, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Um, all right. That takes us to the conference talk. Yeah, what we did, we pretty jointly, we, we this was just a text message uh, back and forth between uh, the two of us, and we just – we were spot on for the most part of our top five. What we did is we ranked the top five conferences in the Chicago area, uh, one through five. And, and I think, I don't think we even debated it really. Uh, we had the same five and then I think we kind of floated back and forth a, a couple of spots, but, uh, I, I don't think there's any question, Mike, what best conferences. Yeah. That, that- that Red South Central is a bit of a, a bear. <laughs> That's for sure. I mean, we could do this for years and years as long as the setup is this way. And I think we're going to have the top two conferences pretty much the same every year. But yeah, the Red, the Red South Central, obviously. I mean, you had we both had one with Bogan, Curie, Morgan Park, Kenwood, and Simeon all in our preseason top twenty-five. And you know, we, we, even. I mean, you got state title contenders in there. Uh, you've got how many are in your top ten right now? Bogan, Curie, Morgan Park, Simeon. Simeon's still there. Kenwood yeah. held on. In the top ten? Top, oh, sorry, top twenty-five. Top ten. Yeah, got four of those. Four yeah. of those in the top ten. Yeah. I mean, that's enough said right there. Yeah, they're um they're loaded, and most of the other teams aren't pushovers. Uh, it's it's a meat grinder, and the real bad part about it is it's all happening like in the next two weeks. Awful. That's the worst part of the whole whole deal, man. And I, I to play these monster games that are the highlight games of the year in the first two weeks of the regular season. Ugh. I, that, that's an issue. I mean, it starts up right away. Tuesday, we got Bogan and Morgan Park. They had to have complained about it last year, didn't they? Yeah, I would so they guess. Don't just see it, fix it. 
it's you know it's just the whole public league schedule needs a rework they jam all these games in now then everybody travels around goes to their holiday tournaments then they jam in the second half and then all of a sudden february gets weird when they're just playing once a week the dates get switched (laughs) yeah and because of the city tournament they just play once a week and so they like everything gets they're in a weird flow as they hit the state playoffs and I don't think that's really good for anybody. Um, the Red South Central, clearly number one. Uh, Red West North, uh, we both had number two. And I think that's pretty concrete. You know, you've got – I mean, Young is the favorite. There's no question. They're preseason number one. They, they, they've, they've looked like number one in their, in their opening couple games. So Young is, is clearly the, the team to beat in there, although they didn't win it last year or, or won that last year, didn't they? Yeah, I think so. Young you doesn't, got... yeah, and this is an issue because there's a lot of this conference is the second best and also the number one messiest. Oh, we, always. There's games that aren't played. Yeah. Uh, there's teams that don't care. I should say don't care, but their priority is not the Red West North. Um, that's a problem. I mean, yeah, but almost yeah, everybody I, you look at here, like Crane's going to be super fun this year with some really interesting players, and they were just elevated. Marshall, you know, off to a three and zero start, pulled off that win against Leo last year. They're always underrated. We know about North Lawndale, Demetrius Douglas, but even teams like Prosser, they've got like a, a Nor- Norville Meadows. Lane's, Lane's yeah. sneaky good. Lane's good. So there's not a night off in this. There's so many difficult gyms and you know tough atmospheres to play in. I mean, winning at Lincoln Park and Marshall. Is just very difficult <laughs> to say the least. At the end of the day, Young is a team to beat. I think Uplift or are are right there um, behind them. Lincoln, Lincoln, Lincoln Park. Don't, yeah, Lincoln Park's gonna be good too. I mean, I uh, who they beat Nutrier. Yeah, that's that's so, what's keeping Nutrier out of the rankings. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's not too far below. I mean, they have they have probably better depth. Their bottom three or four are probably better than the bottom three or four, I think, in the Red South Central. Yeah. Um, but uh, number two, we had Chicago Catholic League Blue is our number three. Uh, I, I think we, we kind of went back and forth a little bit on this, um, but at the end of the day, I, I think with the, with the way DePaul Preps played in the early going – I had them in my preseason top 10. I was a big believer going into the year just with all the pieces they have. Uh, they have good depth, good balance. And Raheem Anthony, their point guard, another guy we haven't, we haven't talked much about. He's tough. Point guard, big, strong, going downhill, north-south. He's difficult. But, you know, and, and then you got some star quality with, with Brother Rice and Marquise Kennedy. So uh, it, it's a matter of how good is Fenwick going to be? How good will Iola be? How good is St. Lawrence going to be? There's still some questions, but there's a lot of, and De La Salle you mentioned, so there is some quality depth in, in that Catholic blue. Yeah, I think it. this week was great for the Catholic blue. I, I don't know if I'd have had them third a week ago, but watching De La Salle, the big win that Fenwick got over Oak Park proved a lot. And St. Lawrence off to a five and one start. You know Loyola is probably going to be a very good team. So yeah, the Catholic Blue had a nice week, and I think kind of knocked them into the. DePaul looks like an elite team. So yeah, there, there's not really a gimme game in this. You know, even St. Ignatius and St. Joe's has some very talented players. So it, it's a, it's just a very deep, solid conference, but with with excellent teams from top to bottom. Our fourth ranked conference is the East Suburban Catholic Conference, which. We, 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 there's some questions in, in, in the first 
few weeks, couple weeks here, Mike, with with some of these teams. I mean, I, I mean Notre Dame. I, I mean, the, I saw Hinsdale Central play. I I think Hinsdale Central is going to have a, quite a long year. Uh, I, and Notre Dame just got t- took out by Hinsdale Central. I know the football that, that it's got to play a part. I mean, they have not had any continuity. You got those football guys back late. So there's going to be it's gonna probably take them till at least Christmas to kind of get get really going. Uh, but they're off to a you know a three and three start. Carmel, who we both really think has a some high hopes and we put some expectations on them, they're off to a three and three start. So those were two teams that we, you know, really kind of believe in that I'm not gonna say they're struggling, but you know, they just not haven't hit the hit their stride. And then you've got obviously Bennett. That's the cream of the crop with Bennett and St. Viator, the defending champ, St. Viator, and Marion Catholic. So I think those are your top three, Bennett, Marion Catholic, and St. Viator. We'll we'll be battling for that top spot with teams like Notre Dame and Carmel. Just kind of playing that upset role. Uh, Some some good, talented youth uh, on those Notre Dame and Carmel that make them scary. But I think it's Bennett and St. Viator at at the top and Marion Catholic. Oh, see, I like Marion Catholic to win it. Yeah, I, I, I'm a Marion Catholic take... guy this year. Sounds like it, man. Yeah, they, they were so good without Euless. It was kind of scary to me. And I think Euless is the best. Eh, okay, that's close, but top two player in the conference. So, I, yeah, I think it's pretty fun. This, I think you can debate this, though. Anybody out there is disagreeing with us. I, I could see a case being made for another conference in this number three or sorry number four spot because the bottom half of the suburban Catholic is pretty weak and the yep. suburban Catholic is it's not as good as it as it has been the last couple of years even when yeah because I mean Marion Central and Nazareth Julia Catholic are all off the slow starts and I think this was one of our I think we went back and forth a little bit between our fourth and fifth actually and the Central Suburban League South yeah which is actually better, Mike, to me than I expected it because last year I thought that that league was off the charts. I mean, I think New Trier, Niles North, Evanston, Maine South, I think all four of them won 22 or more games, or at least 20 games, all four of them. Uh, you know, so I, I think Glenbrook South's win over Evanston. Yes, we again we talk about Glenbrook South being a sleeper and one of the most improved teams, and they were zero and ten in the league last year. And you know, I'm not saying they're going to go from worst to first, but they're clearly going to be a contender. You, you beat Evanston this early in the season; uh, that's a statement. So, you know, they they got a big dry. I got talking to Coach Phil Rawlson this week or this week past weekend, and you know he's trying to keep those guys. <laughs> Uh, relatively, you know, even keel here with that big win because they've got games with, um, I think it's New Trier or Niles North, New Trier, Glenbrook North coming up. So we'll, we'll see. But, I mean, New Trier, Niles North, Evanston, Maine South, they're all quality. And, you know, above quality when you're talking Evanston, New Trier, Glenbrook South are, are probably all going to be ranked or are ranked at some point this year. Yeah, Niles North, you know, we haven't talked much about them this year, but they're one point away from an, from being 5-0. and They did lose to Lane, but had a nice win against Notre Dame. Uh, so they're definitely having – and, you know, this happens all the time. You know, Glenn Olsen's had that program winning 20 games a year for quite a while at mm-hmm. this point, so we probably shouldn't have counted them out so much. Niles West, um, don't know. It's 
a long road back, <laughs> I think, for those guys. Um, well, my, my, my most intriguing race to watch or interest, of, and I tried to find a league not that weren't outside of our top five here, and that's the West Suburban Silver, which I think is, you know, I, I think it's going to be a little top-heavy, but I, I, Oak Park is... I think they only lost one game in two years. I, I could be wrong, but I think they've lost one game in two years in the league and back-to-back titles, I believe. And they're still the favorite. You know, they're they're. I know they lost upset by Fenwick. They got upset by Riverside Brookfield. They have the most talent in the league. They're still the favorite. Uh, but I'm just gonna find. I'm gonna find it interesting. York plays such a unique style. I, I was a big fan of York going into the season. I like their guard play. I love. Uh, the the uncomfortable way that they make teams feel and play when they play them. So I think York is a sleeper, and then it, both you and I have talked about Donald's Grove North. You know, Samaji Henderson and Trey Boston are, are are a pretty dynamic backcourt, and you know they're off to a five and zero start. Those are the top three. Lions is playing pretty well, uh, but I mean I, I think that's just going to be interesting to see if York or Donald's North can kind of step up and. Uh, get rid of that str- stranglehold that Oak Park has in the West Suburban Silver. Yeah, Downers Grove North is probably the ranked team we've talked about la- the least. They weren't ranked in the preseason, but they've been in there the last two weeks now. They're 5-0, and but they haven't played anybody really yet. So that- that's why they haven't been on the radar. It'll be interesting to see how long they can keep that up. Uh, my kind of most intriguing race is the Southwest Prairie, and it's not because the Joliets are in it. But in general, I, I think this is a... It's, it's to me it's interesting because Oswego East is kind of the clear favorite, but it's so easy to see how very talented teams at Romeoville, Plainfield East, Joliet Central, and Oswego are going to be able to give them a run. And these are a lot of you know inner district rivalries, you know town rivalries. Plainfield North has some high hopes for this season, and really only maybe Manuka and Plainfield South. You know, we'll be under 500 this year, possibly Juliet West as well. So I'm look. I think we're gonna have some great overall records in this league, and I'm really intrigued by Plainfield East. They're a team I, I saw near the end last year against us. We go East, and, and they've they're. If you're thinking about Plainfield East, you probably are not thinking about picturing this team if you haven't seen them. They're very athletic. They get up and down and run like a Red West team, and. There's a lot of different styles in this league. You know, not everybody plays like that. You know, even Joliet Central is a lot more controlled under Larry Thompson. And I'm just going to find it very fascinating to see if Oswego East can pull this out and actually win this conference. And it's interesting because it's a league that they, which I hate, oh, they yeah. play everybody just one time. Yeah. So even these rivals are playing each other one time. And, and the Plainfield East team that you mentioned, boom, right off the bat, this, I think it's this Friday, they play Oswego East. So uh, a shot for them to you know, their lone shot at the at the front runner and the, and the favorite. But you're right. I mean, Oswego East, Romeoville, Plainfield East, Oswego, those four, maybe Plainfield North, could all kind of beat, knock each other off. And, and Julius Central, you know, we'll see how, how that plays out. But they yeah, I mean, they already lost to Romeoville in overtime. They're right there, Joe. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, right now, Romeoville and Oswego East are both unbeaten, and I think, uh, you know, you throw Plainfield East, and Oswego's much improved. So that will be a, a fun, interesting uh, race to watch. And uh, West Aurora. Joining on, the league. On the way. Yeah, that's going to really. West Aurora, Yorkville. Yeah, that's going to be a 
fun league. You, they're going to break up, right? I would guess into two divisions. Does anybody say? I, yeah, I, I never asked that question. I would assume that's, that's what's going to happen. 12 teams then, right? Yeah. So you go to yeah, two sixes. Well, unless they do 12 and they still play each other at once. <sighs> 11 games. That's a good question. I'll find that one out. <laughs> yeah. Get on the case, Joe. All right. Let's, um, it's a big week. You know, we never do a whole lot of previewing until we get to the big games. But um, Tuesday, as you are listening to this, you will already know what happened in the Farragut Young game. Uh, Joliet Central also plays Stag on Monday, so we'll see about that. But Tuesday is a good one. Uh, Brother Rice and St. Rita, nice rivalry. But Bogan Morgan Park, it's going to be madness. I will be there for that one. Some Also, some fun games. Uh, Joe talked about Buffalo, Buffalo Grove Friend. He's going to be at. Uh, Rolling Meadows is at Palatine. York is at Bennett. St. Lawrence, Providence, St. Mel should be a really fun one. Uh, did I mention Buffalo Grove Fremd? Yeah, you York there. and Bennett's Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday at 7. Hmm. York and Bennett. And Glenbard West, Wheaton Warrenville South, which I think is kind of a fun game. So a nice solid Tuesday with about 10 good games. Wednesday, you got Crane Prosser, which is kind of an underrated fun one. And then I think I'm going to be at Lincoln Park Uplift. I want to see what Lincoln Park has got. Also, or Farragut, which is also a top contender for me to maybe be at, but I've already seen or twice. And I always got to mention my neighborhood rivalry, Clemente at Wells, which I've never been to the Wells gym. It's just a short walk for me, but feels like I should go see some ranked teams this early in the year. Uh, Thursday's a little light. We do have Corliss at Hyde Park and then Rich South at Kankakee. I think I'm going to make the trip down to Kankakee to check out the K's on Thursday. Friday, just totally loaded. Leo de la Salle, Providence St. Melbrother Rice, Maine South at Evanston, Buffalo Grove, Rolling Meadows, where I mentioned before, I think I'm going to be there. Lincoln Park at Crane, Marshall at North Lawndale, which is so heated that the last couple of years, I don't think they've allowed spectators. Uh, Prosser at Orr, Richards at Hillcrest. Kind of an, that, This is an underrated one. We haven't talked about Richards. They're unbeaten. We're going to find yeah, out. The two off-line. best teams in their respective conferences. You know, okay. and It's a big chance to make a statement for them. Yeah, and then right away now we've got the Juliet Central-Romeoville rematch. Uh, Romeoville won in overtime less than two weeks ago. And then the Plainfield East-Oswego East game we talked about. Saturday is completely loaded with the uh, Team Rose class or shootout the big game there the bloom morgan park game at 6 30 that's the kind of game we yearn for <laughs> all season long thank you mike oliver for scheduling it for us he's done that a couple times in his shootout recently last year we had the danville or game but bloom morgan park you want to speculate for a second joe what do you think i i think this is a a, a really important game for bloom because last year they were you know, the up-and-coming young guys that nobody expected a whole lot from. Now they get all the preseason pub and the high ranking, and they've got Division One talent, and now you get your shot at a high-profile program. And, you know, it's just a chance for Bloom to kind of – kind of a stamp of approval, uh, for an opportunity for them. And, you know, the game bef- – the two games before that are, are terrific. You know, Marquise Kennedy and Brother Rice against Mar- uh, Marquise Jacobs and um, Uplift. And then Oswego East, I think this is a big, big weekend for Oswego East. Uh, you know, if I had to pick you know, a handful of teams that have an opportunity to, one, beat Plainfield East in a huge conference game on Friday, and then go play a ranked St. Vider team with Jeremiah Hernandez and Trey Calvin. And, you know, Oswego East is a program that doesn't have a whole lot of these high-profile opportunities in the past or a, lot of, or a lot of success for that matter. So it's, it's a big weekend for that program. 
Yeah, that's gonna be a fun one. Definitely Saint Vider. So we waste now. Bloom, I'm a little. I, I would kind of feel bad for Bloom if Morgan Park loses to Bogan on Tuesday, which is quite possible. Who wants to face a two a consecutive loss Morgan Park team coming into that thing? It, it could get hot for them. Um, Sunday, Oswego Downers Grove North is an interesting one at noon. Um, good lineup overall, though. It's going to be a fun week. Uh, the rankings are going to be a chore <laughs> on Sunday. It's almost there's too many good teams playing. We're going to have so much to talk about next week. It's going to be crazy. And probably some hot takes, I would guess, based on what happened this week. It's kind of, it's as big a week as, as I can remember with all these great conference games and then this Team Rose Classic. So. Yeah, for that early. And yeah, uh, yeah. we had to live it up because I did peek ahead to the next weekend. Oh, really? Yeah, not very good. <laughs> okay, I, I have not peeked ahead. So, all right, I'll get my, my full enjoyment this week. Uh, all right, thanks everybody for listening. We appreciate it, and we will be back next week to take in all of this action. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm.